now time to bring in the uh, smart guys. We need to get smart. We need to get real on uh, a lot of hot topics uh, these days. Charles Walshine, Walshine Legal, WalshineLegal.com, one of the best housing attorneys in the United States of America. And the great Stephen Schwartz, entrepreneur, businessman, aficionado. And we welcome both to the airwaves in uh, what's becoming a, a favorite segment of many. Charles, Stephen, I hope you're both doing well. Good morning, Jay. How are you, Jay? You sound great. I feel great. Uh, and it's just one of those days, you know, you, you have so many subjects to embrace. I don't even know where to go first, gentlemen. But I'll tell you something. Why don't we start with the... Uh, the uh, Attorney General of New York, uh, you know her well, Atisha James, the NRA, that is the National Rifle Association, as of last week, uh, you know, a lawsuit. And this one seeking to dissolve uh, the National Rifle Association. Charles, I'll put it to you first. Uh, you and I have had some preliminaries on this one. I think we differ somewhat here. Uh, but I look at this one as a kind of a, another dubious, I think that's the right word here, a dubious lawsuit uh, thrown out there by the AG. Give me your take on things. When, when we spoke about this, you're talking about dubious in terms of timing, not in terms of the, uh, uh, the, merits, the merits of the, uh, the SARS indictment. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, this is a, a dubious lawsuit regarding, you know, the, uh, the pro-gun gun group over the years. Uh, but uh, to me, uh, to me, it's just an attack. I think, listen, I, my first thought here, I'm going to be honest with you, it's a political stunt here. We've seen this before. Uh, that is my take. Uh, she hopes, uh, I think it'll catapult her into stardom uh, regarding the left. And uh, and kind of you know carry her as far as a legacy for yet many years to come. That's my take on it right off the bat regarding Letitia James. You know, you know, I have I've got a I've got a lot of thoughts on this. The, the first thing is that though this is a state thing. She's not she's not a federal figure. So whatever she does is going to affect New York only. And as far as you know, being a political thing, this is this is the this is the reason that I wanted to talk about this today really badly because the problem with the NRA and the wing nuts also that say that don't have there should be no guns at all they're the ones that are really stopping a, you know a, an intelligent conversation from happening the intelligent conversation is, is is this about owning guns and i would say no this is not about gun ownership this is about is a mental health issue because i own guns my neighbor owns guns the neighbor on the other side he's got a freaking arsenal None of us are going to go out and kill people. There are 300 million weapons in, in the country. You're not getting them away from people. We are not the people you worry about. These are the anybody who goes out and cr creates one of these mass murder things. Of uh, these uh, goes out and kill, starts killing people randomly and criminals. They're going to get guns. The American citizen, guys like you, me, Schwartz, the guys looking to protect his home, and really we have no. We're not mentally unstable. We can have guns. We can have as many guns as we want. We're not a threat. So, so on one side, is, is the NRA protecting our right to actually own a gun from those kind of laws that they passed in Washington, D.C., where they wanted to ban all weapons, including ones that are held 
that are not handguns, that are ones that are held inside people's homes? Yeah, they do. Is this a corrupt organization that milks its membership and, cre- and does illegal things to the corporation and, cre- and basically defrauds the general public? Yeah, it might be. That's what the investigation's about. Is this political? Yeah, it might be. But keep in mind, it's still just New York. Guns don't. The last thing I want to say is, gun a gun yeah. will not jump out of your closet and start killing people. It takes a mentally unstable person to do that. So anybody who wants to talk about this issue without talking about mental health at the same time, they're on. They're really they're barking up the wrong tree. Here's what it says to me: uh, if you if you're telling me Wayne LaPierre and company. Uh, who James is accused of having, as she put it, looted the organization for personal gain, talking about the travel, the private jets, the yachts, stopping in Nebraska on the way to somewhere else, picking up some family members. Uh, guess what? Uh, if, if they enrich themselves improperly, friends, family members, causing this group, uh, what is it, $60 million plus that she charges, they should be held accountable without question. My biggest problem is, Steve Schwartz, is if you're talking about dissolving this group, if you're talking about beating it politically, if you're anti-gun and just don't like the NRA, uh, but not uh, kind of the legal games that's being played here, be careful here. You know, James, to me, isn't even using criminal law uh, to get this organization and bring it down. I mean, her suit, let's face it, it's a civil action, guys. I mean, that's the bottom line here. It is a civil action. Let's not forget. Uh, I, my biggest problem with Letitia James, and by the way, you know, I've had her on the program. Uh, I think, and Schwartz, you know, you even brought it to my attention yesterday. You think she could be the next mayor. That's not out of the realm in a couple of years. But with that being said, uh, she has failed miserably on a couple of fronts. Let's not forget, she went to court against good old Exxon. Remember that whole thing over climate? And lost. Big time. Uh, She has still not come through with uh, some investigations locally. I'm still waiting on New York American Water. That's going on a couple of years. Where are we at here, Letitia? Please tell me something. But yet we're going to make headlines by going after the NRA and not even in a criminal action. It's a civil action. So where are we at here? Who are we kidding? Steve, that got to me. Big time. Letitia James is a politician. That's what she is. So let's get that straight. Right off the bat, she is a politician. But she has been consistent the whole way. She has called this group, the NRA, a terrorist group. She, them and their 5 million members, she has made a stand. She made this stand years ago. This is, these, are, these are quotes you could look up. So this isn't like, wow, someone just came to her and said, you know, we could really do good politically. Listen, this is, if I was her advisor, I would say definitely take on this case. This is a great case for you to take on because, like you said about Exxon, she lost miserably. You know, these are big, big, big issues, way above, way above her, her head. And if, uh, like you said, Wayne uh, Lapierre uh, decides to, uh, you know, loot the organization, you know, she has every right to go after him. So I, I, I'm on Letitia's side here. I like the case. It opens up more doors for what Charlie was talking about. Now, when Charlie was talking about um, uh, we're all staple, we're all mentally, we have a right to arm guns, I agree, but up to a point. And here's the point. Once we have guns in our house, can we make that same swear 
for our cousins, our sons, our daughters, anybody who might not have full mental capacity, who might get a hold of a gun, take it to a school like has happened on countless occasions, and, and, and cause chaos. So guns are bad. We have to get them out of the bad guy's hands. This has been an ongoing issue. The common sense, smart guys, which is what we are, want solution? I'm going to give you a solution, Jay. This is solution right here. No Republicans, no Democrats, no dogs, no cats. Here it is. The Israelis, when they went and they were bombing, bombing and like suicide bombing and doing everything, they finally found what, what formula worked. And what formula worked was extreme. Not only were they after the person who would do the suicide bombing, they would also go to their family's house and totally take it down, meaning that they would come with bulldozers and bulldoze the house down. My thing would be, if, you're, if you own a gun and your gun gets used by one of your family members or anybody, you should go to jail just like they do, okay, because you're the one that's responsible for it. And you should lose your house, too. Because those other people that lost their lives will never get them back. That would distract. That would actually make people more aware of what's really going on in their own communities rather than saying, oh, it was terrible, it was terrible. No, the alliance runs on the full family. Then you could also have a law, you know, in, in two seconds, clean this whole thing up in one afternoon that says, hey, 20 years in jail, 20. Remember in the, in the 70s when they were talking about cocaine being so bad and they made these very unfair drug, law, uh, drug laws, and a lot of people went down on it. But it did stop the chaos that was going on in the 80s and the, and the 90s because we went very extreme and we took care of the problem. This is a common-sense problem. I agree with Charlie. People have the right to bear, bear arms. I, I, I'm with you all the way. But, 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 but the other side... We have to, even those people, even Charlie would agree, even Jay would agree, even everyone would agree, even your most extreme person who has any common sense would agree. We've got to get the guns away from the bad guys. 20 years in jail for anyone with an illegal gun. No reason for anyone to have an illegal gun. I'll show you how quickly we clean up the streets. 20 years just to have an illegal gun? That means you didn't even fire a shot. You're going to go do 20 years? You'll see how quickly those guns come back and. Then you go to the NRA and you tell them, hey, look, you can't have these guns that shoot off 200 bullets in one shot. And the gun owners, the gun owners, the gun the stores, the people that sell this stuff, they're going to go to jail if these things go in the, in the wrong hands. And here's my biggest thing. The way technology is today, think about what technology has done in our country. The technology to follow this, you get the best minds ever to get every uh, accountability for every single gun in this country. It can be done. It really can without destroying the NRA and without destroying our society. It's common sense. That's the bigger issue. Letitia James might have gotten the conversation started that this NRA is way too powerful, doesn't want to come to the table on anything, doesn't want to give in on everything, is controlling the lobbyists, is controlling our government. Trump won't make a move without, without conferring with them, and that's our president, and, and along with all these other powerful guys. So guns are a lot different than Exxon, okay? Exxon, NRA, two different things. So kudos to Letitia James. Get the get the ball started here. Let's clean it up. 
I, I, I listen. If these four guys uh, committed these acts of impropriety, absolutely, uh, it should be handled in a legal sense to the nth degree. I just don't like it because, to me, I, listen. I've seen this act before. I'm sorry. I mean, she has political aspirations without question. And uh, listen, and she's becoming a name figure. She is the attorney general for the state of New York. I, I just think it's a reach. I think it's a stunt. Uh, I want to go after Lafayette. If he if he did something and he, he if he's spending uh, you know dollars, membership dollars, taxpayers, everything, then by all means bring Pierre and his crew down. But please, uh, history tells me it's uh, it's a little shaky, especially when I look at Exxon from years ago and I look at current types of suits which have still not been resolved. And I'm talking a couple of years here, guys. I'm talking a couple of years. I want to see some resolutions. I haven't seen that yet. That's why I'm still on the fence here. We're talking with the smart guys. We're talking with Charles. We're talking with Steve. Now we're talking PSEG Long Island. And this uh, lousy, as the governor put it, response. Uh, PSEG Long Island. Uh, We pay the third highest utility in the country. Country! Okay, we're behind California. We're behind Hawaii. And yet we can't get the right deal going here. I can't figure it out. You know, we're still antiquated as far as our systems. It takes a storm like Sandy to figure out, you know what? Maybe we got to change the signals on the Long Island Railroad. But yet we still got to wreck poles with lines. So when the next storm comes, here come the lines. Here come the trees. Look at the disaster we're in right now. What is the deal? Who's watching the store here? As far as our utilities, Con Edison, PSEG, get them out of here. Get them out. Who's watching the store and how do we fix it? Steve, we'll go to you first. Okay, well, Jay, uh, we should have had it fixed after Sandy, right? And then they changed a couple letters. So what do you want to do? You went from uh, LIPA, you like LIPA, to PSEGLI, and now you can call it uh J. Oliver Electric, so we could go J-O-E Electric, all right? I think that these problems are real. I think that these problems don't have a fix to it because Mother Nature, honestly, will always take you down, okay? The idea that Verizon went out and that no one can make a phone call to them and that they they had really dropped the ball in the beginning of this. But what I liked about them, and I'm going to take their side on this, is that they didn't sit and complain like the old LIPA did and sit there and cry about, oh, my God, uh, you know, uh, we got this, we got that. They went, I saw them out there. They were, they were out there. They were fighting their whole way. Their guys did a great job. Their guys, their guys fought so hard, okay, even, even couldn't wait for the wind. I saw the trucks lowering, lining up. And listen, I was without power, but I have common sense. Would you rather have them spend all this money on me being able to call them and just to tell them, hey, my electricity's out, and we got young kids on the block, and you got to get here. There's millions of calls coming in that way. Or would you take your resources and get the people out on the street to take care of the problem? And I think that they decided, listen, yes, did we mess this thing up? Yes. But their, their response to getting manpower out on the streets, manpower into neighborhoods, Okay, and and I I know people that are still not up yet, by the way, and they're and they're and they're losing their minds. Okay, and and rightfully so. But if you look at it from a from a really really uh, a real vantage point, the solutions seem to be getting better, seem to be getting better, not worse. 
I like the idea that, that our government officials are right on it, and they're sitting there pointing fingers and saying this and that. And maybe that'll help us for the next time. But the idea, let's just throw them out, let's just go, you know, oh, they, oh my God, this and that. You know, come on. I, I don't need another company to make me feel good and call it uh, JOE Electric, and uh, they're going to run Long Island. It's Steve. not going to work that way. Bravo, Schwitty. Bravo. Bravo. Steve, I said, Stephen Charles, I said you put Miller Huggins in at the top as if you're managing a team. Still, aren't going to change until we until we change the philosophy. You know, we can't get rid of this archaic philosophy uh, in the 21st century right here on Long Island. I mean, we're we're living it. We're living in in times of the 1950s. I mean, it's right. unbelievable here. Right. I, I had the Why? president, Charles, president of PSEG on Friday. Oh, well, it's going to cost some money, Jay, if we bury the lines. Really? How much money does it cost already to put in a new outage map, computer system, and to change the meters and everything else on taxpayer dollars? I mean, give me a break. Let's bury the lines already. Charles, who's at fault? It has to be done. Anybody can look that it's the same exact pattern every time. There are certain um, certain areas on Long Island which have older trees that are more brittle and that the lines run literally right through the trees. So, And every time that there's there's a big wind, the same places lose power. And they it's like, you know, fool me once, fool me twice. Like, after a while, you end up being the schmuck because you can't do the problems right in front of your face and you, don't, and you choose not to solve it. Now, are there probably hundreds of thousands of trees that need to be either cut down or severely trimmed to make way for these electric lines? Or do you just do it the right way and say, these are the places we're going to start where there's where have been, been historically the most outages because of the trees falling on the line? You don't have to turn the whole island underground. I live in Freeport. There were like maybe three houses out. Why? A, because we're on the south shore, don't have really big trees and don't have a lot of them. Number two, we have our own electric. We have our own crews. We know exactly where. Get them right to the spot. We don't have to share them with anybody else. This is what, that's, that's one particular area. But if you talk about like places where, where Schwartz is, there's a lot of trees up there. He lives up on the North Shore. A lot of people are out. A lot of people are still out. And for him to say that it's going to cost money, yeah, of course it's going to cost money. But the cost of not doing something over how many years with, the, with these same stupid telephone poles, I don't get it. At some point, you've got to start moving moving into the 21st century. So I agree with you. I agree. With, actually, I agree with both of you. Interesting. Smart guys. We uh, Listen, uh, it, it's about uh, the, uh, the, the center of it all, folks, to take that center lane and run and drive at good speeds. Uh, we call it the extreme center. We, told, we call it common sense. I mean, really, that's what it's about, common sense. And, and you know, to me... Uh, common sense uh, is is pretty good as far as uh, what I heard on Friday. Uh, uh, schools uh, that uh, are, are going to open up here in the state, uh, it looks like it from the governor's announcement. I am kind of mixed on this, and I'll tell you why, uh, Steve Schwartz. I'll tell you why. Because I like what the governor said on one hand, but yet he's giving a lot of power to the teachers on the other hand. Well, dangerous, I think. Because, you know, as I reverted yesterday, I go back into the Taylor law of yesteryear. So you're giving teachers the option now of whether to come back to work. Be careful here. That's why we enacted the Taylor law, right? We enacted it because there are violations and penalties to be paid as far as if you are under contract, part of the union and everything else. So be careful. Like the idea 
But yet again, we're wavering a little bit. You know, we're green lighting, but yet we have the old stoplight up as far as teachers are concerned. So I kind of got a mixed message Friday at around a quarter of 11. Your take, sir. Well, um, our governor, like all governors, are, are, are just are just basically treading water. They just don't want to make – this is a big one, by the way, because this is a big one that you don't want to be the, the, the leader that makes the mistake. This is like putting your, your foot into a, into a water, see if it's hot or cold. You just don't know. That's why I've been saying for weeks that the new governors, the new mayors, are Mr. and Mrs. Front Porch, mom and dad. You're going to have to make your own decisions because if you're looking for leadership on this one, forget about it. You ain't as far it. as the teachers uh, uh, coming coming back, not coming back, hey, listen, same like athletes, we talked about this. They're people. They're human first. They have family. They have all kinds of considerations. You've got elder. Listen, the kids might bring, you know, one kid gets infected and he might, you know, or she might, uh, you know, infect a bunch of teachers, and, 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 you could, and you could have a couple of teachers on ventilators in a school district. Uh, how's that going to look? There's a lot of considerations here that the governor, or no, and it's not even against any governor, except for this one governor, a Missouri governor named Mike Parsons. This guy, his quote is that he just basically downplayed the risk on children. They're going to get it. They're going to get it anyway, so what's the big deal? Let's just move on. You know what? Let's get everyone back to school. This is what this guy said. This guy actually said that the kids are definitely going to get it, and we're going to have to live with it. And this is absolutely absurd. Now, if you lived in Missouri and you heard that governor coming out with that kind of rationale, what would you think? Would you send your kids to school under that rationale? You know, listen, I, I, I th- and I've said this all along, Charles, with the numbers as low as they are on Long Island, and I say geo-target, region by region, whatever you want to call it, but if the numbers are low as they are throughout the island, remember, below the 5%, nothing above the 9%, I say you can open safely. Uh, you could do so, protocols in place, distancing, you know, it's, uh, it's sometimes, I tell you, it's hard. You're telling me you're going to distance kids. That's a whole other story. Be careful there. But I think you can open. I think it's important mental health, development, the whole nine yards here. Kids have to be in school as well as the parents. Parents have to get to their jobs too. they got to plan ahead, okay? My only beef with the statement from Governor Cuomo was I think he gives too much leeway for the teachers to back out. We have laws. It's called the Taylor Law. Okay, we have laws enacting individuals such as our teachers to head to work. Now, if you're exempt because of a condition underlying, listen, no argument from me here. If you have a condition, if your health's at stake, see you later. I get it. But you know what? Be careful there. It's got to be spelled out more clearly. Your take, sir. Well, you know, the Taylor laws, you know, is pretty much designed for striking. I don't think these are, I don't think there's, these teachers are striking. They're just—they're probably choosing not to go to not to go to work around. We we're social distancing, notwithstanding, just because of a higher risk, and they may be at risk. In which case, you know, I don't think when they became teachers, they didn't sign up for danger the same way other civil servants like cops or, or firemen, right? Firefighters, I'm sorry. So uh, the way that they did, they definitely signed up for the danger. Teachers really did not sign up for that type that type of risk. Um. 
So, yeah, do I think it would be wrong to permit to force a teacher who is at risk, maybe like a, a 60-year-old person who has asthma or something, some other condition that makes them more vulnerable? Yeah, I think that they should be able to make a choice for themselves. Um, and the, but the kids have to go back to school. we got to figure this out. They can't. The, the psychological toll this is taking on kids, and they're, they're, it's, it's profound. You don't see it because it, it's something that gets, it gets, becomes part of who they are, that, that fear that they live with every day, and the, the fact that they're not socializing, and something is really significant has been taken away from them in terms of having like a, a childhood. Yeah, this is, this is that, in right, happening right in front of our eyes. So let's, let's stop the trend in the, in the negative direction as soon as we possibly can. And part of that is sending them back to school. Are they going to be in locker rooms together? I hope not. Um, you know, these are you know, they're about to cancel the, uh, a lot of college football because of that. So, you know, but there's things you can do. And these young, these young kids, they really, really have to get back. They have to get back into a school. We've got to believe the parents. We've got to get the parents back to work. Also, this is not just about the kids. So, I agree with both of you. We're going to take a short break, come back with the Turdy recipient. That's the Bronze Turdy Award, ladies and gentlemen, for those who we think might have stepped in it uh, fully, maybe just a toe. Either way, uh, they have been inundated by you-know-what. We'll get to the winner from last week and tell you the nominees for the upcoming. Short break, Amanda. We'll come back with the answers right after this. My favorite uh, parts of the segment is to learn who a gentleman, uh, you know what, uh, might have indeed stepped in it uh, over the past a week or so. Uh, 3,800 plus votes, 3,800, was it, 44, man, 3,844 uh, votes indicate to us uh, the recipient, I hate to say it, Mr. Schwartz, take a bow, <laughs> Donald J. Trump. Uh, you know what? Stepped in the proverbial. You know what? He is the recipient. Somebody get the White House address, please. Uh, he is the recipient of the Bronze 30 Award, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mr. Schwartz, take a bow and a comment, sir. Rather a surprise here. Thank you. Thank you. It, it, sometimes it's, it, it's good to, to, uh, to, to get an unknown name in there and, uh, and throw him into the uh, Bronze Turd Award. So I accept it uh, humbly. Mr. Donald J. Trump, President. Yep, yep. Uh, Mr. Charles Walshine, may I get a nominee as far as uh, who you think might have stepped in it in the last couple of days? Well, this is a person who has continually stepped in it, and I have refrained from bringing up the name for quite a while. But, you know, now, at, at this point, it's going to be uh, Mayor de Blasio. Um, he's done nothing. He's, there's, there's lawlessness, and it's the same thing in Chicago. If I could have the mayor of Chicago share the award with Mayor de Blasio, this lawlessness has got to stop. He threw his own, the entire police department, under the bus. And this is, you know, thank God I don't live in the city. That's all I can say. We have law and order on Long Island. We have cooperation between the executive and the, uh, and the legislature on Long Island in both counties. And hats off to them. But New York City, it's like the Wild West now. And there's no police that are, that are even willing to do their job because their own boss, the commander-in-chief of the city of New York, has thrown them under the bus. So it's Mayor de Blasio gets my, gets my uh, turtle award. A big one. A, a, four, a, big a one four-time uh, winner, uh, by the way, uh, the great uh, Mayor de Blah Blah. Uh, Stephen Schwartz, uh, the nominee, my friend, in your opinion. 
this nominee this week has got to win. It's got to win. It's the blind horse, okay? It's the blind horse, the Missouri governor, Mike Parsons. Out of any, out of any week to do this, to come out, and if you saw the commentator's face as he was talking and just putting himself right into the Bronx Turd Award, it was this guy, Governor Mike Parsons of Missouri. When he talked about how these children are going to contact coronavirus, and we're going to live with it, and they're going to be fine, without even the regard of the idea of, like, they could be weapons and, and just start the worst uh, second wave ever in Missouri is frightening. And for this guy to be a leader, you know, you talk about leadership. This guy to be a leader is just, you know, you talk about common sense, smart guys, extreme center. This guy's none of them, none of the above. And I'm a, I also have to go back to say one thing about you and Charlie, Jay, is that I agree with everything you're saying. We have to get back to work in this country. We have to do it, but we got to do it right. And with leadership like Governor Mike Parsons, uh, this country's in trouble. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Chicago's in trouble, and that's why I nominate the mayor there, uh, Lori Lightfoot, uh, who has uh, really been a lightweight for months. Uh, she is completely unprepared with everything that's going on. She can't get crime under control. Uh, she doesn't want the feds uh, to be called in to help. Uh, you know what? It's an absolute disgrace on what has happened to this uh, great city, one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. You've got looting. You've got vandalism. Uh, you've got 13 cops injured trying to corral 100 people or so who are, have been arrested. Uh, it is uh, beyond disgraceful here. Uh, beyond disgraceful. The police superintendent, David Brown, uh, the mayhem is just uncontrollable. And you go back to the mayors of these cities, the Ted Wheelers of Portland, Oregon, the de Blasios, uh, the Lightfoots of Chicago, the Janice Durkins of Seattle. I mean, please, the police chief, Carmen Best, had enough. She's out. Had to resign. Can't take it anymore. Can't take the leadership anymore. This is what has happened to our big cities, gentlemen. Lori Lightfoot is my nominee. For the upcoming week, as far as that bronze coveted Turdy Award and the coveted Charles Walshine and Stephen Schwartz, uh, they do make up the smart guys, they do make up common sense, and they do make up the extreme center of it all. Always a pleasure. I look forward to next week, gentlemen. Thanks, Thanks Jay. Jay. Thanks. Talk to you later.